Don't you think that there will be some real economic effects? I think there'll be some continuing short-term potential instability there. But against that, you've got the other factors in the global economy that will affect stability, what's happening in the Chinese economy, what's happening to the price of oil, what's happening to monetary policy from the Fed and the states. They will also have an impact. And the counterbalancing fact that our economy is very strong in its fundamentals. When it comes to inward investment, we are getting a huge share of that because of, of our commercial law because of our skilled workforce, because of the fact we've got uh, small numbers of days lost to strikes. We've got some of the best universities. We've got a low regulation, low tax economy. We speak English and we're in the world's best trading zone. So I think all those, which are none of which are dependent on us being in the European Union will continue. So on your second question about the impact on Europe itself, again, just as many of the big financial institutions seem to have not understood what the polls were telling them, a lot of our European partners seem to have done the same. Whether that was wishful thinking, I can't say. But the polls have been telling us for some time that this is going to be a 50-50 referendum. And uh, the fact that they seem to have been utterly shocked by it can only, for me, be an affirmation of their own prejudices that uh, nobody could possibly ever want to leave the European Union. It's so good. They are the ones, though, who will be doing the negotiation in terms of Britain's future relationship with the European Union. And the signs are that they don't mean to give Britain an easy ride. I don't know that I agree with that because some of the messages coming out today were we must be sensible, we mustn't have hysterical language, we need to get the negotiations going quickly. They, uh, well, which no is not necessarily in Britain's interest, is it? Well, if do, you, do you want things all to be wrapped up quickly or would you prefer a, lo a longer negotiation that actually gets a better deal? Well, if, if they can get them wrapped up quickly in our mutual interest, that's fine. And I think that with the consideration particularly of the fact that it's a German election year next year and a French election year next year, it will be very much, I think, in their interest to try to get as many issues out of the way as possible because otherwise in countries like France, you will get parties like uh, French uh, National Front using any disputes over negotiation with the UK, I think, as a weapon in that election. And I think the French politicians would want to avoid that, as would the Germans. Well, they're already using it, aren't they? Marine Le Pen, I think, has put a Union Jack on her Twitter picture uh, today. And, and other similarly minded parties in Europe are, are also making much of this, as is, well, President Putin, someone I know you feel poses a real threat to the West. Are you not in any way concerned what sort of forces might have been unleashed by this? I don't believe that forces are being unleashed by it. I think that's a massive exaggeration. The reason that President Putin has felt he can act with impunity is the serial appeasement by the West in general over his uh, attack on Estonia, over his invasion of Georgia, over his annexation of Crimea. Only when we got into the territorial incursions into Ukraine did we even go as far as financial sanctions. So I think the, the lesson there has not been that it's been the European Union, it's the West in general, including United States policy. Does this make the sanctions regime less likely to stay in place, though? Well, I don't know. I mean, we are uh, still going to be in the European Union for the next two years. If the European Union are saying that they don't want to go through with sanctions against Russia, which were imposed because of Russian aggression, and, and they don't want to go through with those because Britain is leaving in a couple of years' time, I would find that a very bizarre policy position for them to hold. Let's turn to the question of immigration, which was clearly one of the huge factors in all of this. Take back control of the borders. That was the message from the, the Leave side, your side of the argument. What is going to happen in the near term? Will people still be able to come in from the European Union? Well, yes, people, I think, didn't quite grasp that this wasn't a general election. I mean, Vote Leave weren't offering policy solutions as such. They were setting out alternatives that an elected government could take up. And of course, we will be having a period, we don't know how long yet that will be, before 
Article 50 is triggered. The Prime Minister said today that he wouldn't trigger that ahead of a leadership election that suggests it's going to run into the late autumn. And then you've got a two-year period after that. So you have a period of adjustment. And for most people, there'll be a gradual transition into whatever arrangements are going to be in place when we actually leave the European Union, which looks now like it will be January 2019 or thereabouts. And in the interim... Might Britain see a huge influx of people trying to get in before the gates are shut from the European Union? Well, it's possible, but it's possible it would be driven by other events too. And it's potentially something that we have to live with unless we were to unilaterally withdraw from our treaty commitments. Is that a possibility, do you think? I don't think it is really, because I think we would want to maintain good relations during those negotiations. And uh, of course, the, the big risk for me there is what would be the law long-term risk also, which is that the continuing failure of the euro and the tearing apart of the social fabric of southern Europe is forcing more and more...